0: It's the final mailbag podcast before the all-star break. I'll be answering your questions on Orlando Arcia and his current slump. What I think about Michael Soroka's performance so far, what is the return of Max Fried mean and who should the Atlanta Braves be targeting at the trade deadline. We'll cover all that on today's mailbag episode of locked on Braves. So let's get into it. You are locked on Braves. Your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the locked on podcast network. Hey, welcome back to Lockdown Braves, part of Lockdown Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Also, make sure you check me out my written work over at bravestoday.com. Make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown underscore braves. Send in any questions, comments, or feedback that you have for the podcast if you're new. Watch it on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button as well on this video to help support the show. Thanks to all those who make Lockdown Braves your first listen of each and every day. If you're an everydayer, let me know down in the comment section below. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code MLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. It is our Friday mailbag podcast, our final podcast before the all-star break. So we got a lot to cover in this episode. So not going to waste any time. Going to jump right in here. First question comes from Kristen who says, what do you see going on with Arcea lately at the plate? I know his Babbitt, his batting average on balls in play was around 400 at the time when, uh, when it was during, during his hot streak and it has regressed and regression was likely, but is there anything you're noticing regarding the recent slump? So, did a little bit of digging here. As far as mechanically, I'm not necessarily seeing anything different. But going back from opening day up until May 31st, 35 games. He obviously had uh, the stretch in there where he was out with a while for a while with the fractured wrist. But this is, you know, his really hot stretch. He was slashing 314, 371, 471, 7.6 walk per nine, and 18.9% K or strikeout rate, sorry, um, and a 128 WRC+, seven doubles, four home runs, 32.3% hard hit rate, 17.7% line drive rate, and a 370 Babbitt, as Kristen alluded to, just a, a batting average on balls in play that's not really sustainable. A lot of times, most most for most players, that Babbitt is going to average out around 290, 300, and he had a 370 Babbitt to begin the year. Now, since June 1st, this is a 30-game sample size. His he's slashing 281, 322, 395, 5.8% walk rate. So that's down a couple of percentage points there, a 20.7% strikeout rate. So that's up about two points there as well. 93 WRC plus. So that's below average. He had a 128 WRC plus in that during that hot stretch to begin the year four doubles compared to seven doubles during that hot streak and three home runs compared to four home runs. So you can see just a little bit of difference there uh, you know, not a really a lot standing out though. I mean, a 2% difference in the walk rate, a 2% difference in the strikeout rate. I think really the one biggest thing there you notice is that slugging percentage going down a little bit. Um, but other than that, everything's pretty much the same. The hard hit rate, Went from 32.3% to 29.2%. So about a 3% drop there. Not terrible. The line drive rate is actually up from 17.7% to 20.2%. And that Babbitt, it did go down a good bit from 370 to 337. So I think we're just seeing a little bit of regression. Now, even if he's a guy who hits 260 with a 320, 330 on base, and he slugs 400 or just over 400 as a player with double-digit home runs, maybe 10 to 15 home runs, while playing consistently good defense. And I know maybe he lacks the range, but he has a very good arm, and he usually gobbles up everything in his area. Even if he did all those things while batting eighth for the Atlanta Braves with the contract that they have him for, it's still really good. I mean, I think you will take that. That remains a steal for the Atlanta Braves, I don't think anybody expected him to keep up the hot streak he had at the beginning of the year. Just everything seemed to be falling for him. So obviously there is going to be some regression there. I don't see anything in the the stats and the analytics to really point to a, a regression here or, um, you know, anything to see that you know, again, what he was doing to begin with was just amazing. You knew there was going to be some regression. I think we're seeing him coming back to the mean a little bit. I think the question for Braves fans is: him regressing, is that regressing to where he was before Atlanta? The type of, you know, the below average hitter, below 100 WRC plus hitter that he was before coming to Atlanta? Or is it somebody who's maybe, you know, just slightly above average? And I think that's what we need to find out with Orlando Arcea the rest of the way. He's still 28. I think he has made some adjustments since coming to Atlanta, allowing him to hit the ball harder, uh, which he continues to do, uh, even more so than his days in Milwaukee. So I still think he could be a better hitter and be an above-average hitter, but he's batting eighth for you. He's making two to $3 million. He's playing really good defense. I'm not worried about Orlando Arcia. If the Braves don't win this year, it's not going to be because he all of a sudden slumped at the plate. It was great what he was doing early. But it wasn't expected, and I think most people believe there would be some sort of regression there. Next question from Annabelle Self says, do you think the Braves' first-half success is sustainable through the next half of the season and potentially deep into the postseason? How do they keep up their energy and intensities? Seemed like the team was out of gas by the NLDS last year. Similar question from Matt who says, are we peaking too soon? Can't imagine offensively we keep this up to this level, the thing that scares me in the playoffs is if the hitters aren't hot, we could easily be bounced at such a crapshoot come October. And I think Matt kind of answers his own question there. Braves and fans know more than anybody that 2021 World Series, nobody was picking the Braves coming into that one. They got hot at the right time. They had the right pieces. Everything clicked, and they won a World Series. Only thing I can tell you is that this team's good enough to win a World Series. Will it happen? Will they be playing their best baseball come September, October? I don't know. But I'll tell you this, this team, as constructed on paper, has the potential to win a World Series. But Matt's right and Annabelle's right. Hard to sustain the success all year long. I mean, look at the Rays and even the start they had, and they've still been good throughout, but they were on an unbelievable start to begin the season, and you knew they couldn't win at that level for so long, and the Braves have actually caught up to them now. And the Braves have played great all through the first half as well, but not to the level the Rays were to start the season. Every team's going to have peaks and valleys. They're going to have hot and cold streaks. It's about getting hot at the right time. But all you can do as a front office is put together a team that is capable of winning a World Series. And this Braves team, if it stays healthy, if they're hot at the right time, there's no doubt in my mind they can win a world series, but you're right. It is a crapshoot. When you get to October, you don't know who's going to be fully healthy at that time. You don't, you don't know if you're going to have all the bats clicking at that time, all the pitchers uh, healthy and throwing the ball. Well, at that time, you never know, but on paper, this Braves team is capable of winning a world series if they play their best baseball. We're seeing right now when they play their best baseball, as they have for over a month now, they're the best team in baseball. Now that doesn't, Again, as even as Peter Pratt over at Marlins, uh, Locked On Marlins said, they don't hand out trophies in July, and that's absolutely right. But again, this front office has done everything they can to put a winning product on the field that's capable of winning a World Series. But you still got to hope things kind of break your way. You got to hope you're playing the best baseball at the right time. Put yourself in a position to play the best baseball at the right time. Hopefully the Braves continue to have this big lead in the NL East, and they can rest some of their guys at the end of the season and get them, you know, hopefully ready to go in the postseason. We've seen that backfire times as two. go back to the 14 straight division championships when the Rays were clinching division titles in August and early August, and then just kind of fell flat in October. Again, it's, it's a crapshoot. shoot. You, you can't always predict these things in baseball, which makes it so exciting as a fan, but sometimes frustrating because it seems like maybe the best team doesn't always win the World Series, but this team, again, all the potential there to get it done. Robert Mullis says, is it possible to be so good that you don't need to make a trade? Getting Freed right, Chavez, and Lee back is better than any trade. As this year has shown, you can never have too much starting pitching. Why give up, your, give up two prospects for an insur- injury insurance trade? And I think Robert makes a good point here. The Braves could do nothing at the deadline, and again, like I just said, I think this team, as currently constructed, is good enough to win a World Series. Now, that's risky because then what if somebody does go down and you can't really make a move at that point? But is getting a Jordan Montgomery at the deadline or somebody to be a back-end rotation filler, is that really going to help you if Max Freed goes down or Spencer Strider goes down? You can't replace those guys. I mean, some of this is just a little bit of luck. You got to hope your stars remain healthy, but yeah, I think there's a point to be made. The Braves don't really need to do anything, and it depends on what's available on at the trade deadline. But you also got to think there's guys on this roster who I think are worthy of a roster spot, and somebody's gonna have to lose that spot if you bring somebody else in. So again, it's that it's gonna be that decision of how good is the player that they're bringing in. It almost has to be somebody of a high caliber caliber type of player that's going to be either a mid rotation starter or a you know setup guy in the bullpen otherwise what are you where are you really upgrading this team at you know if you're just getting another fourth or fifth starter i think the Braves have several of those right now if you're getting another you know just righty or lefty in the bullpen just to to fill a role i think the Braves have plenty of those right now So it's almost to the point, and I think where I'm kind of agreeing with Robert, where maybe you don't need to make a trade because the guys you have right now and the guys you have hopefully coming back I think are good enough and are going to be better than anybody that you could possibly get on the trade market. And then are you going to give up two really good prospects for that? I don't know. It's a question. It's hard for me to imagine them not making any kind of move at the deadline, but at the same time, I could see the case to be made why they wouldn't. But that is just kind of risky because after the trade deadline, you can't really do anything of significance. Casey says Kyle Wright, Max Freed updates. Uh, haven't heard much on Kyle Wright here lately. Again, I'm not as optimistic about him. I think we'll see him, maybe try to come back at some point this year, but it's going to be August. I mean again, we haven't heard really anything about him. Max Freed,'ll um, we'll mention that more later in the news update, but he did. Or he is scheduled to make a rehab start on Sunday, so that's great to hear. Colin Reese asked, "Who are some under the radar bull under the radar bullpen options that the Braves could target at or before the deadline?" A few names I think would be interesting include Chris Martin, Kyle Finnegan, and Daniel Bard. I like all those names. Some that I just briefly uh, jotted down while going through numbers. I'm looking for somebody with you know a K per nine over ten and a walk per nine under three. That's really what I'm looking for here. Again, if the Braves are going to get anybody in the bullpen or in the rotation, I almost feel like it has to be somebody who's top-notch, somebody who, um, you know, in the bullpen at least, can be a, a shutdown, dominant type of setup reliever. I wrote down Joe Kelly from the White Sox, David Bednar as well, a name that a lot of people have mentioned. I don't think this would happen, but David Robertson, if the Mets did end up selling, uh, would be you know, a solid bullpen piece. I don't see those two teams kind of matching up for a trade, but he could be another reliever available at the deadline uh, who has some pretty good numbers. Matt says, we are up by one in the sixth inning of a playoff game and turning it over to the pin. What level of faith do you have in the current relief group preser- preserving that one-run lead? I'll be honest, I, it's probably 75% that I feel like they would shut things down. Uh, it's not lockdown, that's for sure, and those are three big innings. I'll say that I have more faith in the offense extending that lead than I do the bullpen holding that lead. But, again, I talked about bullpen a little while ago. I just think it's the the nature of all fans to not feel comfortable with their bullpen in a close game just because it is so close and one swing of the bat could swing the game in the other direction. So I think all fan bases would probably say that. Again, I don't think there's many fans of teams out there who would say they feel completely confident with their team with a one-run lead going into the sixth inning. Um, but, you know, I, I still feel pretty good about the Braves' chances in that scenario, whether it's uh, Mentor, Iglesias. I know Yates had a little bit of a hiccup the other day, but I still think he's come along. Joe Jimenez, they get Dylan Lee back. You know, Jesse Chavez I starting to feel a little bit more comfortable about the back end of this bullpen. Heller's been uh, great as well lately and has stepped up in some big roles. So I still feel mostly good about it. But again, I don't know that any face- fan base would feel completely comfortable with just a one-run lead in the last three innings of a game. But again, I have a lot of faith in this Braves offense that they can extend that one-run lead or if the bullpen does give it up, that they can take it right back. Blake Newsom says, a little bit of satire here, but any advice on how to get through the harsh times known as braves off days watch 2021 world series highlights i mean there's one thing that you can do right there or you know go watch a minor league game if you can or you got one in your ballpark those are some of the ways that i try to would like to get through some of these off days but i got so much work to do that usually fills the void pretty nicely got a lot of other questions to get to uh we'll talk about those here next Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful, and it's not when you use game time, which is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. They have great deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, so you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting excited for all the fun you're going to have. I've used game time a couple of times this year to go to Braves games. It's been an easy and fun experience. And it does give you the best price out there and forget planning months in advance. Both times I've used game time. It's been at the last minute. And again, I've gotten the last or the best deal out there that I could find. And that's partially because of their game time guarantee, which means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less game time, will credit you 110% of the difference. You get images, of your seat before you buy. I never buy tickets now without knowing what the view looks like from my seat. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code locked on MLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code locked on MLB for $20 off. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. The Braves and the Rays will begin a three-game series three-game series on Friday night at 6.40 p.m. Eastern. Two of the best teams in baseball this year will cap off the first half, catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Braves. Diving back into the questions, Ric- Ricardo Ortiz says, Hi, Jake, I'm riding from Ecuador as a Braves fan since the 80s. That's pretty cool. Uh, listen to your podcast on a daily basis. Best, best Braves podcast, hands down. I'm liking this question already. Uh, now my questions. Who will go down once Max is back, and will AA add something to the bullpen for the rest of the season? I mean, uh, it's, a, it's an easy answer here, but I think it's whoever performs the best between Soroka and Allard over their next couple of starts. Uh, whoever performs best, I think, will stay up. Whoever uh, doesn't, will stay down or will go down. Obviously, Strider, Morton, Elder, their spots are secure. For me, it's really up between Allard and Soroka right now, battling for that spot, or whenever Max comes back. I think a I Alexander Douglas will add bullpen depth at the trade deadline. I know we just talked about the fact you don't really have to, but I think you got to get one more dominant guy that you feel pretty good about, that has really great strikeout stuff, doesn't walk a lot of batters. I think if you can get one more guy like that at the deadline, it doesn't cost you too much. It'd make me feel a little bit better about this team in the bullpen in case you know Yates does fall off or Jimenez never really gets there. Dylan Lee's not the same coming back. It just, you know, you need another guy. I don't think you can ever have too many dominant type arms out there. I think that's what you need for the postseason. So I still think Alex will make at least some move for the bullpen at the deadline. Cavs, Buckeyes, if you have time, thoughts on the cold, hard evidence of the Braves cheating? Uh, there is none, so we don't have to spend a lot of time on that. There is no cold, hard evidence. Cavs, Buckeyes also asks, can you help me make sense of, Ars- of Acuna's 68th percentile sprint speed on Savant? This is slower than Austin Riley. I know Austin Riley is actually decently fast, and sprint speed obviously is in everything and stealing, but this just doesn't make sense to me. So sprint speed, best I could figure out calculates the best two-thirds of runs to first base, trying to take out some of the runs where maybe you don't uh, run your hardest out of the box. Maybe it's an easy ground ball out or something you pull up. Acuna and Riley actually are both tied at 28 feet per second in sprint speed, so they're both tied there. But you look at 90 feet, 90-foot sprint speed also on Savant. Acuna ranks 41st in all of baseball at 3.8 feet per second. Um, Riley ranks 208th. And Michael Harris is tops on that list at 3.84. So you look at kind of, again, I can't really explain it other than Riley, I guess it's just sneaky fast. I didn't realize it. I think Acuna just, once he gets going, he really gets going, but maybe it just takes him a little bit longer to get up to that speed. But certainly once he does, he's one of the fastest players in baseball. That's the only thing I can really figure. I don't have anything uh, to prove that or any evidence of that. Uh, but this again, you look at kind of the, the longer distance running for each player. And I'm just bearing Acuna and Riley here because that's who you mentioned. And Acuna, obviously a much faster runner over longer distances. So I think that kind of explains the fact or, uh, you know, solidifies the fact that it just takes him a little bit longer to get going. Maybe doesn't that burst of speed right out of the box, but he is obviously one of the faster runners in all of baseball. And Riley sneaky fast as well. Large Lard, do you think this year that Sean Murphy is having uh, is not only because of his talent, but because he doesn't have to play every day? Neither catcher is DHing either, I've noticed. Um, I think that's part of it. I mean, I certainly think that, you know, what Sean Murphy is doing right now, uh, him, you know, not having to play every day, not having to carry such a big load as, like he was in Oakland. And he had a good year. The second half of last year in Oakland was really good but he's not having to carry this lineup. There's so many guys up and down who can get it done. It's also a much better home ballpark that he plays in. We talked about that even when the move was made that, uh, you know, getting out of the Coliseum and playing his home games here at Truist Park would be a big boost for him. I think he's just also growing as a hitter. And again, I talked about this when the Braves traded for him. Go look at the second half of his season in Oakland last year. He really took off. I don't know if those were some mechanical adjustments made or what or, Just figuring some things out, but it certainly showed signs of somebody that was figuring it out offensively at the big league level, and sometimes it takes catchers a while because their main priority when they come up is handling a pitching staff, slowing down the run game. So maybe it was just a a catcher who was taking his time developing offensively, hit his stride in the second half of last year, and has just carried that into this year. I think that's partially why the Braves traded for him is because they saw that offensive upside, but Too large, large question. I think, you know, not having to play every day, being able to rest, I think certainly helps keep him fresh in that. Um, But yeah, I think there's other factors involved there too for why Sean Murphy's having a really good year. John Klecka says, What do you make of Michael Soroka at this point? Especially wondering about the sinker and how I don't see any downward or arm arm side movement on his signature pitch. So looking at Savant, the movement on it is not too terribly different. From where it was before, I think the main thing here is the arm slot because he had to change up his mechanics a little bit. And we're seeing that sinker stay up more. And when a sinker stays up, it's typically going to become much flatter pitch. So I think for me, and I've been saying that for a while, I think the key is just finding that release point on the sinker to be able to get it down in the zone more. Right now, he's leaving it up, you know, middle up. uh, And that's when it's just going to flatten out, become a much easier pitch to hit. But I think that's really the key for him. He's got to find a way to find that, to keep that sinker down and have that run in on right handed hitters. Once he figures that out, the slider, other than the last start, has been there pretty much every outing this year. He's starting to command the fastball a little bit better. He just got to get control of that sinker. It's a big pitch for him. He's got to figure it out. And to this point, he just hasn't. I mean, every start, just about, it's been a problem for him. It's staying up in the zone far too much and it's not giving it. That opportunity to bite down and in on right-handed hitters or run away from lefties, so that is you know a big key for him and something I think that's holding him back from, I don't want to say getting back to the level he was before because I don't want to set those expectations, but I think that command of that sinker, figuring it out with these new mechanics, I think that's one maybe the last big hurdle here for Michael Soroka to becoming you know a mainstay in the rotation. Joey Milby says, Von Grissom, does he make an impact for a major league team in the second half? What do you think happens with him and what would you like to see happen? I would love to see him stick at the bat, the bat plays and the tools are there. So we've talked about Von Grissom a lot in the last several mailbags now. Is he trade bait? What's his future with this team? I've gone on record several times now and saying that I hope he stays here. Um, I hope the Braves are able to keep him, but if there is a trade, for a significant impact player with years of control. I wouldn't hesitate to move him, but I like the depth that he provides the middle infield depth that he provides. Because there's not a ton there. You have Grissom and you have Shoemaker. Luke Waddell's having a good year at Mississippi, or at Mississippi, but I still like Von Grissom because I do think the bat will play. I think he'll be a very solid above average bat. And I hate to just give that up. So Again, I think he can have an impact at the major league level. It would take an injury for the Braves this year for that to happen. But again, I think if a, there was a big move to be made, I wouldn't just get rid of him to, to get rid of him because you think he's blocked. That wouldn't make any sense at all to me. But if there is a trade to be made of significance, I think it makes a lot of sense to put Von Grissom in there and I wouldn't lose too much sleep about it. But I do hope he stays because of the depth that he provides and I think that bat will play. Last question here. This one from JJ, who says the Braves' most valuable trade piece is Travis Darno, and the Padres make a lot of sense. I understand Travis, a fan favorite, but he can't be behind the plate anymore. It's open season on the bases. Plus, Hayter and Snell are exactly what the Braves need to be set for the playoffs. The Braves aren't trading Travis Darno. We, we've discussed this as well, the last couple of, of mailbags. Just makes no sense why you would give up Travis Darno, who's a, a clubhouse leader. What if something happens to Sean Murphy and then you're going with Chadwick Trump as your catcher in the playoffs? It just to me, you have a great situation there at catcher. I don't know why you would ruin that. I think the Braves are fine pitching wise. I still think fully healthy and they have the pitching to win a World Series. And I think the Padres aren't ready to give up on anything. So I I don't know. I don't know what they'd be looking for there to get an aging catcher with a eight million dollar team option next year. I don't really. I don't really see the fit there, and I don't see the Braves trading trading Travis Darno, and it makes no sense to me to do that. All right, next we'll uh, turn our attention to this weekend series, the last series of the first half for the Atlanta Braves as they go up against the Tampa Bay Rays. We'll discuss that more here next. mentioned this early, but Mac, earlier, but Max Fried is going to start a rehab assignment on Sunday with Gwinnett. I would think he probably needs at least three starts to get ramped back up. Colby Allard only needed two, so I guess you could say that's the minimum, but I think he probably gets at least three starts, which means he could come back around August 24th or sorry, July 24th, July 29th, something like that if he were to stay on schedule with four days rest, but Either way, should be getting Max Freed back at the end of July and that will be a great thing for the Atlanta Braves. MLB draft starts this Sunday as well. I apologize. I did not do enough draft preview coverage. Obviously a lot going on over here right now, but uh, everything goes well over the weekend. Hopefully I'll be back and able and awake enough to uh, recap what happened Sunday during the MLB draft, but a lot of rumblings that I've been hearing saying the Braves are going to take a high school bat. That would be surprising to me if they go away from taking pitchers in the first round. I honestly kind of hope they stick with the game plan and go with pitchers. But uh, there are a lot, there are several, you know, solid high school bats there that should be available in that range. But love the MLB draft. Obviously, I'm going to be very busy this weekend with the baby coming and all of that. But uh, it should, you know, be a great draft for the Braves if they try to restock this farm system. It'll be the Braves and Rays over the weekend. Game one on Friday night. Just quickly on the Rays, third in OPS, third in slugging, third in home runs, first in stolen bases. Maybe we'll see Sean Murphy catch all three of these games. 13th most strikeouts, 11th most walks. So very good offense. They're right up there with the Braves and the Rangers and the Dodgers. It's one of the best offenses in baseball this year. They're also fourth in ERA, fourth in whip, second in average against seventh and strikeouts and 13th and walk. So also one of the best pitching staffs in all of baseball. It's a very good team. These are both two very good teams. Uh, the pitching matchups, it'll be Charlie Morton versus Tyler Glass. Now on Friday, Spencer Strider versus Todd Bradley on Saturday and Bryce Elder versus Zach Eflin on Sunday. So should be a really, really fun series. Hopefully I'll be able to watch the game from the hospital. Doubt it's going to be on whatever cable service they have, but it will have the iPad and my VPN, which is the way I got to watch Braves games these days, but not going to get on that soapbox again. Talked about it earlier this week. You want to listen to it. Either way, should be a fun series. Looking forward to it. Couldn't have a better series to cap off the first half. Two of the best teams in all of baseball. Again, it's the Braves and the Rays starting on Friday night at 6.40 p.m. Eastern. It'll be Charlie Morton on the mound for the Braves against Tyler Glass. Now catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app, search Braves. That will do it for this episode of Locked On Braves. Again, make sure you subscribe to Locked On Sports Atlanta. Grant McCauley will be doing the post solo edition without me this weekend of those raised games. So make sure that you check that out and subscribe to Locked On Sports Atlanta where you get the video version of those postcasts with Grant McCauley this weekend. Again, thanks for making Lockdown Braves your first listen up each and every day. If you're an everyday or let me know down in the comments section below, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. Follow me at shortstopball. Make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the Lockdown Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast. And we will talk to you next week.